the lie the poetry tells is constant as the truth itself without the lies and the false beliefs where would we be where would we be welcome to the state of the theory podcast i'm hannah I'm an India. And we are your theory doctors. Hi. Welcome back. We are doing new age stuff today. Yeah. What is new age? What is new age? Uh, uh, new age, uh, super spiritual. Uh, it's sort of a it's, a, it's a mashup of kind of religious, religiously infused behavior and practice and worldview um quite american i would say although of course there's like pockets of it all around western europe um and the white settler colonies it's very white it's super super white it's well it it has to be white in many ways because it's it bases itself as a sort of uh a kind of home for the collection of different um syncretic yes spiritual and religious practices so uh, it in a sense it has to be white because it's it's appropriating yeah um and it, the power to appropriate you know is mm. held selectively mm. um mm. by certain groups mm. of people so it, in a way mm. it's mm. you know it's yeah. super duper white it's a big hub of it where I'm from California you know San Francisco yeah. Bay Area I was going to ask you about that I mean we've you've mentioned in passing growing up. In, in a world where New Age stuff is very familiar to you. Yeah. But I don't think you've given us sort of much more, anything more specific than that. What were the kind of things that yeah. you remember growing up? So, like, I have a super weird... I had a super weird background because I think if you're from... If you're from uh, California, and specifically if you're from, uh, like, quite, like, wealthy parts mm. of California... You have exposure to mm. multiple distinctive religious traditions. Mm. So we talked with with Katie about growing up in, and I've talked before about uh, growing up uh, in an evangelical Christian context. Mm. So that was definitely a huge part of a few years mm. of of my early life. Um, and this was so not to interrupt, but this was more like, from what I know, it, this wasn't a family thing as opposed. Was it more family? Was it more friends? Uh, both-ish. Okay. But my family is... Uh, m- my family is politically very clearly on the left. Yeah. Uh, and always has been, is my immediate family. Uh, and I was raised <clears throat> according to a kind of uh, second wave moving into third wave feminist sensibility. Uh, but... I was also in proximity to and part of evangelical church. So mm. there was sort of support and kind of guidance to like attend if I wanted. But then I also went to a Dominican Catholic high school, which sure. was the last four years of school. And it was pretty Catholic. Um, it wasn't part of the diocese, but it was connected to the diocese. Mm. So every once in a while we'd have a visit from an archbishop. Mm. And the archbishop would always give everybody a day off like as a as a like Catholic gift and then the school would be like we're not part of the diocese we don't have to honor that so um, there's a sort of a very clear close Mm. relationship to the Dominican Mm. uh, sisters but also a kind of rejection of of 
Catholic institution sometimes. So uh, my background is really interesting. Mm. Uh, and then, but then the third bit was the new agey bit, mm. uh, and there was kind of clear, distinct new age practice and study in as part of my upbringing as well. Uh, and they're related. Mm. There was especially between the the sort of uh, Dominican Catholic mm. side of things and the New Age, but there's a lot of crossover. Uh, things like uh, rebuilding our relationship to the land and the food that we eat mm. via uh, the organic movement. Mm. Um, that was one kind of thing, mm. a sort of uh, linking up of our spiritual practice with mm. a, a rootedness uh, in the earth mm. um, and the natural environment. That's also, mm. the, there was some crossover there. Um and a kind of anti-war, uh, pro-peace, pro-social justice mm. type mm. position as well. The, yeah. the, there was a crossover there. Mm. But the New Age stuff specifically mm. is, um, it's originally what got me interested in studying, doing South Asian studies. Because I felt like there was something something missing yeah. from my knowledge, my mm. limited... I say limited, I mean partial mm. knowledge of South Asia because a lot of new age practice is rooted in uh, variously appropriated forms of South Asian cultural and or spiritual practice. And I'm thinking specifically Hindu. Um, and Buddhist, presumably. And Buddhist, yes. yeah. Um, and the, the kind of yoga now is very mainstream yeah. but back when i was 10 mm. it it wasn't mm. uh, you know mainstream mm. in american mm. kind of like lifestyles mm. uh so yoga is one mindfulness and meditation have have after yoga have become a sort of yoga mm. light i think mm. um because it's easier mm. it's easier to sit and mm. be mindful than it is to mm. to have a hardcore yoga yeah. practice i think uh so there's elements of of what is called in in the in the parlance of, of mm. Eastern mm. philosophy mm. and Eastern practice. Yeah. Uh, it's and and it there's other stuff there too. So mm. there's um, uh, certain forms of spiritual practice involving like mediumship, mm. Mm. which is uh, variously. I mean, it's different. It's not just like talking to dead people. It's also communing with this sort of concept of the spirit or the yeah. spirit world yeah. and that the spirit spirit as a concept is pretty nebulous but yeah. also has has philosophical roots in Britain and mm-hmm. the sort of spiritualist movement in Britain that coincides with the transcendentalist movement in the United States so it's, it's mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. Um, and, and established as yeah. well yeah. Um, and Forms of practice that are mm. called syncretic or ecumenical mm. that that mix and match from various religious mm. practice mm. while leaving a lot of New Age spiritualists like to say they leave the bigotry, yeah. they leave the institutionalism, mm. they leave the, um, they call it a organized religion, that's the, yeah. the term, they leave the organized bit because the organized bit is considered to be repressive or yeah. oppressive or both um, and that that is what leads to violence and uh, abuse mm. and exploitation and uh, feelings of like being controlled or manipulated mm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you take the practice, but you leave the institution. Mm. And I've, 
I've always been quite interested mm. in the process by mm. which uh, hardcore Hindu practices, mm. um, which are embedded politically in India, um, get de-embedded, brought to mm. the San Francisco Bay Area uh, in the form of kind of meditation centers out, out yeah. in nature, um, repackaged mm. and then sold, quite literally sold in the form of books, uh, CDs and mm you know, uh, they were tapes, they were cassette mm, tapes, mm. Um, workshops and seminars and conferences mm. and training sessions mm, mm. to uh, middle class and upper middle class professional mm. white audience mm. that becomes a sort of exclusive community. Yeah. And when I got to college mm. and I started doing South Asian studies, which was a, a kind of combination in itself, a sort of syncretic practice, a combination mm. of religious studies mm. and comparative religion, politics and political mm. science, mm. anthropology, sociology, language, mm. uh, history. Mm. What beca- what becomes really clear is that this movement is has a real issue with politics. Yeah. Really struggles to mm. deal effectively with politics, and therefore. Mm. Um, loses sight I think of a very clear mm. ethical framework yeah. um, w- which I think you know if, if religion and philosophy give us something it mm. is mm. it is that mm. um, a, a set of codes of conduct yes. and it means that there's a lot of crossover with new age spirituality and things like anti-vaxxer yes. rhetoric and discourse mm. anti-science anti-intellectual yes. discourse um an anti-political and, and and apolitical discourse as well that that I think uh, obfuscates mm. the economic mm. relations that underpin mm. the New Age movement. Um, so it's often kind of um, you know you and I joke about uh, my kind of stand-up comedy persona, which is a, a kind of New Age super mm. spiritual practitioner of yoga who mm. lives in somewhere in the Bay Area, yeah. perhaps, may, maybe or maybe not Marin County, I don't know. <laughs> um, but she, that that persona is, you know, very, very real to yeah. me. Um, she eats organic food. She, um, she likes to think of herself as being um, intentional in her decisions and in her relationships with others. She likes to think of herself as liberal. Uh, she likes to think of herself as environmentally friendly and uh, sustainable in her both her mm. actions and her beliefs. She votes Democrat. Uh, she probably drives a gas-guzzling SUV, um, although she may have moved on to a Prius. Mm. Um, and she votes against... Uh, she votes against public transportation measures, mm. um, and she votes against affordable housing measures, um, while professing uh, certain kinds of, mm. of ethical behaviors mm. and ethical practices. Um, I myself, of course, would vaccinate my children, but mm. this persona might very mm. well not. Yes. And there's an internal tension mm. here. You've talked about it as a, a kind of privileged wokeness. Yes. And I think that's a symptom rather than yeah. a cause of what's yeah. going on here. There's a there's a, a depoliticizing that happened in the 70s and 80s, I think, mm. um, that 
that meant that what was kind of a sort of hippie anti-war mm. um, LGBT rights yeah. second wave feminist civil rights sensibility mm. the hippie side of things was divorced from mm. the the social justice and political action side of things yeah. and moved into a depoliticized spirituality mm. uh, we're talking about it now because we did two episodes on self-help mm. um, and that is really what I got out of my South Asian yeah. studies degree yeah. was that there is a depoliticizing yeah. Um, of what was and what is in India still mm. a fundamentally kind of political and um, uh, socially and economically embedded mm. set of practices that are very different. And, and deeply oppressive. Yeah. In other words, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the person, the persona you are describing, I don't imagine, I mean, that persona might use... Hindu texts and Hindu practices of meditation in her own spiritual practice. But I don't imagine she knows or cares a lot about Modi and Hindu nationalism. No. Or caste systems, for example. No. Um, and there is something deeply deluded and deeply problematic about the notion that you can take out what is contextualized and contingent and abstract it to a set of principles that are non-hierarchical yeah. and that are not polit- political and therefore not ethical. Yeah. By not ethical, I don't mean they're unethical. I mean they're not concerned about ethics. Yeah. Uh, amoral rather than immoral. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is deeply dangerous because once you evacuate something of politics then you open it up for any kind of politics to come into it yeah and you have you know we've we've established this at various points in various episodes as far as we are concerned the only um functional way to judge a, an act or a text or a movement or a uh, you know, whatever is the is the politics. The politics is what distinguishes progressiveness from not. What distinguishes uh, egalitarianism from not. You know, all of the none of these things are can none of no action, no movement can be judged out of the context in which it is embedded. And the context in which it is embedded needs to be thought of in terms of the relationship with social political hierarchies, the relationship with class, gender, sexuality, race. And if if your spiritual, political, ethical, religious, however you want to define it, define it, your practice isn't explicitly connected with those things, then it is dangerously vacant. Yeah. Yeah. And it... it uh what a lot of the kind of new age spirituality does is a sort of, it's similar to some of the health, self-help stuff we were talking about with Katie, yeah. um, although it gets at it from a, a kind of different angle yeah. because I don't think it's, um, it, it's not organized in a sort of multi-level marketing type, yeah. type thing. It's, it's yeah. a different kind of yes. industry. Yeah. Um, but it, it places at the end point, the ultimate goal mm an individual that is spiritually enlightened, which yeah. we talked about um, yeah. a little bit 
previously and that when you have the individual at the end who mm. is enlightened like the buddha right yes. that the buddha is, is this archetypal figure who achieves uh the logical end point of enlightenment where he recognizes that he is one and the same yeah as all other existence yes. that he is no different from and that that realization and knowledge is it is it's funny because the, the philosophy of it mm. is fundamentally anti-individual. Yes. It's specifically politically anti-hierarchy, yeah. anti-monarchy, anti-class. Yes, yes. But it gets under kind of a sort of neoliberal yeah. American way. Yeah. The individual gets reinserted and it becomes about the individual's journey. Yeah. And the individual's journey up until the, you know, the, the mm. end stage. Mm. And by focusing specifically on the individual, you then, you make it so that they don't have to care about politics. Yes, yes. That the, the politics don't, don't matter because ultimately they are one with all of it. Yes. And so they don't, in the end, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So the individual can then just continue doing whatever it is that he wants to do with less guilt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the sort of guilt that might come with uh, being a Catholic, for example, and mm. being asked to account for all of the times that you were perhaps not nice to someone else yes. or not nice to other people, yes. and that you have to go yes. and account for those with a priest, and then are and then have to yes. feel some sort of negative. Or, or if you identify as a Marxist and you feel guilty about all the times you have to be complicit with capitalism because you live in a capitalist world. Yeah. Uh, organized political. Organized anti-hegemonic political religious movements require an accounting, as you said. Yeah. You know, it require you to. It requ they require you to figure out the extent to which you are being good. Yeah. And for this purposes, it's almost like matters less that the what the exact definition of being good is. Yeah. But there is a definition of being good. And you can judge your life based on how good or not you are. Yeah. Whether that goodness is Catholicism, whether it's Marxism, whether it's anarchism, socialism, atheism, atheism, whatever it might be. But these these forms of belief and and political political movements seem to be different from this much more vague, tenuous, vacuous new age spiritualism thing yeah well in rejecting in rejecting the structure entirely mm. um in a sense it's the the idea is that you um you take what you like and leave the rest yes it's quite uh it's quite martin luther yes in that sense that it's very it's a sort of protestant sensibility mm. of I mm. read and study what I want, yeah. I engage with what I want, and yeah. then I take what I like, I leave the rest, yeah. and then I have my own my own individual bespoke practice that I have curated for myself. And that I don't have mm. the right to tell anyone else mm. how to curate their own bespoke mm. practice. But with that comes, I don't have the responsibility mm. to be concerned for the mm. souls of everyone else because yes. they're on their own yes. journey. Yes. And what a privileged position to yes, have. Yes. And it, it's a, 
it, what a lucky position to be in, yes. in a sense. This is all a, a prelude mm. to why we're doing this episode, yes. uh, which is that a person who has made a, a, a decent living, I would yes. say, thinking in New Age spiritual terms. Yes. By writing books and holding seminars and disseminating certain mm. sets of ideas, mm. is running for president. Yes, and she has specifically said, "This, this is Marianne Williamson." Yes, uh, who's been around for a long time, mm. and she has has specifically said in this round of Democratic primary debates that she is going to mobilize love mm. for political ends. Yes. And that's really unique. Like, mm. that is not really what New Age spiritualists do. Yes. That's not mm. entirely their bag. Yes. Um, and she's identified her love, mm. her, her conceptualizing of mm. love, which is mm. very, uh, very spiritualist, yeah. um, as being counter to mm. the current Republican Party and Donald Trump's uh, agenda of hate and yes. fear. Yeah. And that love, the only way you tackle hate and fear is not no. through policy. No. It is through love. There's, there's a, there was a particular moment in, in the debate that stood out for me where the various candidates were setting out their plans. And Marianne Williamson said, I'm paraphrasing her a little bit, but pretty much this is what she said, was, um, you know, everyone on the stage is giving their plans. But do you think... Do you, do you, what do you think these plans will achieve? Do you think Donald Trump won because he had plans? No, he didn't. He just said, "Make America Great Again," and that was really that was a really revealing moment because that suggests exactly the kind of uncritical buzzword that so much of New Age spiritualism involves, where if you can come up with the right phrase, and again, we're calling back to the self-help episodes we did with, with Katie Muth. But if you can come up with the right word, the right, almost the right chant, right? There's something quite chant-like about this. If mantra, you, mantra like... Mantra, yeah. yeah. If you can come up with the right mantra, that is what will defeat Donald Trump, not policy or plans or ideas or, you know, procedures. Well, and according to, according to certain kind of strands, it, 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 we can't call it a single... A single yeah. way of thinking yes. because it specifically isn't that. Exactly. But according to a lot of strands of New Age and spiritualist thinking, the repetition of a mantra over and over again and the focusing of a certain type of intention yes. is more powerful yes. than action yes. or what you know sociologists might call practice or praxis. Yeah. Where the intention and the 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 focusing of energy and mm. thought yeah. and words. Yeah on a desired outcome yeah. is where the is where the change comes from. So yeah. she's actually demonstrating yeah. the way that a lot of New Age spiritualists think mm. reality gets made, which is through intention and manifestation, yes. not through like direct action. Yeah. Um, they, they would all say, obviously you can't sit. You can't sit and do nothing. But your actions will not achieve anything unless they are underpinned by and originate from a focused intention and repetition yes. of a kind of energetic force 
it's fascinating for me to watch a person mm. enter the political arena mm. in such a spectacular display mm. using this kind of language because mm. it's it's not really the done thing necessarily. Mm. I mean, most New Age yeah. spiritualists have a sort of set of, of yeah. political. They tend to vote, and yeah. you know, they're pretty yeah. they're they're pretty active in terms yeah. of like climate change yeah. and stuff. But as in as a pol- like, they're not politicians. No, and and if it, in fact, the right has historically tried to associate the mainstream left with certain forms of new age discourse in a way to undermine them. Yeah. So I'm thinking particularly uh, in the 2008 campaign when Obama's big thing was hope and change, right? And there was a bit after, I think this may be either the 2010 midterms or the 2012 elections, Sarah Palin said, how is that hopey, changey thing working out for you? Yeah. And there is something of that, right? There's something of reducing Obama's stated policy platform to a kind of vacuous, hopey, changey thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like Marianne Williamson is has is doing that reduction herself, right? There, there is nothing in her political identity that is anything other than a kind of lovey, hopey, changey thing. Yeah, I mean, she has come out and said she does actually have policy ideas. She yeah. does actually have a platform. Um, but what's interesting is when compared to the way that a lot of the other Democrats have come out yeah. strong on policy mm. platforms yes. and are competing in many ways for, for nuance, the, yeah. the ones that are doing well yeah. are the strong... Mm. Hmm. performers in terms of, of policy and evidence-based hmm. platforms and it's it's fascinating to see hmm. because she is more Trump-like in her approach hmm. which hmm. is to tell the story create an emotion as opposed to rational logic yeah and then the policy will then follow yeah. we'll have a, a channel through which the policy yes. can be made manifest yeah. and Trump has done that I mean yeah. he, he has he has manifested real change. Yes. I mean, to use the, the kind of spiritualist yes. language. He has manifested yes. the change he wanted to see. Yeah. His camps are built. Yeah. His Supreme Court exists. His uh, Muslim ban exists in mm. you know some form. It still is, mm. is going strong. He's dismantled the EPA. Um, it, 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 I mean... It, the only thing he hasn't really done is created jobs, mm. you know. Mm. So it's act- she's actually kind of doing a similar, yeah, a similar thing mm. where her, you know, various kind of seemingly un- unrealistic, unreasonable mm. policy ideas might very well kind of get mm. get washed in and, and I mean in, in, in terms of theory and, and I'm sure this has been said before but in terms of theory this both Trump you know if we if and I, I completely agree with you that sort of Trump and Williamson are sort of two sides of the same coin as it were the same the, there's something similar in terms of the the impulse that they represent and 
in terms of theory, this is sort of the the logical end point of postmodernism, right? The mm-hmm. you know the 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 way you were characterizing New Age thinking or certain strands of New Age thinking as you know pick the bits that you want. I mean that kind of pick and mix approach that is suspicious of bodies of theory, that is suspicious of organized forms of thought, whether it's religious or political, that is suspicious of uh, knowledge that can claim to represent totality. Yeah, an ultimate truth. An ultimate truth. Um, that All of these things characterize postmodernism and New Age thinking. And ultimately characterize Trump. You know, the, the and and if if Marianne Williamson represents a kind of apparently banal but harmless form of postmodern politics, then Trump represents where that could go to. Mm-hmm. Because once you once you take out meaning, you know, I, I I keep using a phrase that Stuart Hall used more and more and more. Uh, he talks about words being evacuated of meaning. Yep. Right? What does love mean in Marion Williamson's formation? Does what, Seriously, what does it mean? I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, she's got, like, so the, the New Age spiritualists do have, there's lots of texts. Yeah. Um, it, and it is quite text-based. Yeah. You know, they are still white people from a Protestant sort yes. of leaning background yes uh so so it is book based and language based and text based and they do they do articulate to a certain extent Mm. it love is is a more existential thing than just um the way that you behave towards one another or a feeling or an emotion Mm. um there is also the, the sort of key the crux of a lot of it is that love love is the closest thing that we have to a deity so that Mm. if you have if you believe in a deity or deities that their fundamental essence is love so that when you feel the most sort of unadulterated um uh pure and overwhelming sensations of love that is the closest that you come Mm. to encountering Mm. a deity or Mm. god or mm. a kind of mm. higher knowledge or higher power. However you... And there's lots of ways that they use to, to kind of conceptualize mm. or describe mm. that. Um, so when she says love, she means... it's She kind of means God in a way, but not a sort of God that is separate from or other to herself or the people around her. It's a really... There's philosophy to it, but mm. it's, it is postmodern-y mm. in the way that it's because it deconstructs it does a sort of deconstruction of of the way that deities are represented in texts in mm. organized religion mm. um it deconstructs that deity to the mm. point where the deity is no longer other mm. but the deity becomes part of part of us and is is in you essentially that you are that and the core of it is no longer god it, mm. it but it has to be something it's not nothing mm. Because they're not nihilists, right? Mm-hmm. It's love, mm. and that's how. And but it's not particularly clear, mm. and that's the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
because it's kind of individualistic. It's different. For, everyone experiences it differently. Mm. Um, and there's, so there's a meaning to it. But it's also she has she has actively evacuated it of some mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. so that other people can put can place their own meaning mm-hmm. back onto it. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean that's sort of what Agamben kind of describes as being, you know, democracy mm-hmm. as being able to move between fascist and democratic mm-hmm. systems mm-hmm. where you have uh, kind of discursive practices mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. ultimately by which I mean the way that we talk about and describe mm. reality yeah. that mutate to the point where you move from democracy with a sort of set of ethical mm. kind of standards or ways of thinking mm. about what the mm. state should do mm. and what our, what our kind of relationship is, our responsibility mm. to, and our kind of mm. expectation mm. of what the state mm. does mm. for us. Mm. That, that gets broken down by critique yeah. and sort of criticizing of Mm. but without being replaced with something specific Mm. and at that point fascist rhetoric can move can move in and fill that space and I think what she's trying what she's doing what a sort of spiritualist position does Mm. is to say that actually spiritualists should be rejecting uh, the right wing and should be rejecting hate and fear and should mm. be doing it in the political arena, not just in their own spiritual arena, their own spiritual practice. Which is, to me, really weird in yeah. terms of, like, I, I... People are amused by her. Mm-hmm. They're interested in her. They're weirded out by her. They laugh at her. Mm. Um, I've seen her being described, but in, you know, in many places, performance art. Yeah. Um, but I think this is m- for a sort of like f- like fringe liberal mm. um, sensibility that exists yeah. in the United States. It's pretty bizarre. She's like trying to inject political practice yeah. back into spiritual. Before we turn the machine on, you were ch- talking about how you how. You couldn't see a Marianne Williamson joining the Republican Party. Yeah. Do you want to say a bit more? Because that seems to me to... I, I, and I think you're right. I, I don't quite know why you're right yet, but I think you're right. But the fact that you're right suggests that there is political meaning mm-hmm. in what she's doing, right? It's not, as you said, not completely vacant. Yeah. So what? why do you think that... She, why is she a Democrat? Yeah, I, I, well, I think most of the, the New Age spiritualists I know are Democrats, even though I, I, I'm sure that I know some mm. that aren't vaccinated. Yeah. Um, which differentiates mm. between the left. Mm. Um, the, the, there's, a, a, there's more of a hesitation to be overtly, um, overtly political in practice. Mm. But that you do have a personal responsibility to look out for everyone else. Yeah. And the Democratic position, certainly mm. in California, does a little bit more of that. Mm. But not in a very nuanced way. So, like I said, so Marin, Marin mm. County, uh, where I grew up, um, very famously mm. 
doesn't have a, a functioning public transportation yes. system. Yes. Um, doesn't have significant mm. uh, affordable housing mm. development plans. In fact, people in Marin regularly vote against measures mm. that would provide these sorts of things. Yeah. Marin has a growing homelessness issue, yeah. just like the rest of the Bay Area does. Yeah. Um, and a really serious issue is segregation. Yeah. Uh, so socially and politically, Marin is extremely segregated. Its school mm. districts are segregated. Mm. Um, its neighborhoods are segregated. Mm. It's, it, you know, it's famously yeah. the home of, of the rapper Tupac, right? Yeah. Mm. And a lot of his, his kind of uh, politics are about the, the sort mm-hmm. of structural inequalities of the Bay Area. And New Age spirituality is deeply uncomfortable mm. with that. So would it be fair to say that Williamson might describe herself as a Democrat, but wouldn't describe herself as a socialist? Yeah, she's not Bernie Sanders. Yes. When you say that certain forms of New Age spiritualism is uncomfortable with overt performances of, of politics, yeah, there is a bias built into that, right? Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. where certain forms of left or far left politics are seen as more overt than others as well well it's it's a, it's a performance yeah so there's it's the kind of performance that you're putting on yeah so but obviously we all perform um mm. this theory of performativity new age spirituality performs politics in a very particular way yeah. and that is at the individual level yeah. it's also at um it's it's quite subtle in terms yeah. of its publicness. Yeah. So where where I would argue that a lot of uh, socialist organizing happens in the public domain. Yeah. Um, and is is actively trying to yeah. reshape and reimagine yeah. the public domain through activity and practice yeah. and debate and discourse mm. in the public domain. Yeah. That then hopefully it reshapes the private domain. Yeah. A lot of new age spiritual performance of politics happens in the private sphere in the yeah. private domain yeah. so um things like buying organic food and eating organic yeah. food not just yeah. buying it but eating, eating it consuming yeah. it uh growing your own food um mm. practices like reusing recycling composting but to the extreme um a certain type of of ethical consumption and sustainable consumption certain types of um uh speaking to one another yeah. so the waldorf school type thing yeah. um are you familiar with waldorf no. schools and steiner schools so uh it's a kind of german romanticist yeah. form of education mm. uh that's very very popular mm. among uh upper middle class mm. professional white americans mm. um th- that is all of it it's child centered and it's anti-technology mm. um and it's it, you know they bring their lunches in in woven baskets yeah. it's that kind of yeah um it, and so it's it's that sort of performance that is more geared towards the private and domestic arena than the public sphere so it's i mean perhaps this is simplifying but the the difference between elevating the consumption of organic food to an ethical practice, to a political practice, without considering who can afford to buy organic and not. 
We've talked about that. Yeah. Go back to our sugar tax episode where I complain about this ad nauseum. Yes. <laughs> um, so you spoke about sort of the distinctiveness of what Marianne Williamson is doing. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about the... I mean, she hasn't been particularly successful so far. She, no. She's a figure of ridicule, right? Yeah. And people are laughing at her. So um, is Trump. Yes. So this is what I was trying to say. Like, is it that... Is it that the Democratic Party, as it stands, doesn't have space for a kind of politicized mobilization of new age thinking? Or is it that she is just not a very good and we need someone better to be able to 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 take over the Democratic Party from a sort of new age view? I mean, having an affinity f- for some of the new agey mm. philosophical things and a sort of deep frustration with th- the refusal to reflect yeah. on self and privilege. Yeah. Um, that w- I think at, at a certain point, mm. once once she's in the political arena and we've seen it happen already where she's a, a figure of ridicule and a lot of what she says mm. gets made fun of um, and I myself in mm. my like joking persona do take on some of that mm. um, when I satirize the position at a certain point it will no longer I, I think it's fundamental to the movement that it be a political yeah. or politically controlled and maintained and managed yeah. Yeah. so that she will have to be held to account mm. for saying things like uh, postnatal depression in women is caused by the fact that women aren't heard and listened to by their exactly. doctors. Thing and, 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 and perhaps not to interrupt, but yeah, the yeah. thing that struck me as particularly problematic, particularly offensive was... She said postnatal depression is connected to the fact that women are being forced to go out to work. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's actively dangerous. Yeah. Right? Like, if you think of, at least anecdotally, the number of women I'm sure we both know who see the opportunity to go and work as precisely what is stopping them from sort of giving in to postnatal depression. Yeah. Um, That, and, and the kind of very regressive gender identity in terms of work and life and home that that speaks to yeah that seems to be particularly troubling yeah was well, it's, it's quite conservative yeah so it's a sort of liberalism dressed up it's a it's a liberal sensibility yeah but that has been appropriated by conservative economic practices yes so a, a lot of the kind of new age spiritual community mm is quite traditional in terms of its family structures. Yes. So a lot of the women have never worked. Yes. A lot of... Marion Williamson is, is kind of unique in that she's a woman. Yeah. A lot of these... The figures are, are men. Yeah. Um, and... And take on kind of traditional... Mm. Uh, traditional gendered mm. types of language and mm. behavior. Um, and... And even like dress and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I I call it scarf ladies. Yeah. Um, where 
the kind of wild free-flowing yeah. hair and and the free-flowing scarf and you reject some things like maybe you don't dye your hair to look like a natural color when it mm. goes gray you mm. embrace your gray or you use it as an opportunity to experiment but you are still kind of moon goddessy and you're still sort of embracing your womanhood whatever that means mm. in, in quite a traditional way to be honest yeah. And you're not bothered by the fact that you feel able to define yourself using particular textile print traditions coming out of certain parts of South Asia, for example. Or, or South America, that's South a big America, one. Yeah. So, so it's sort of like uh, the logical end, conservative end point of Orientalism and postmodernism. Yeah. And what happens when you have an uncritical postmodernism and an uncritical Orientalism fusing together to reinforce a particularly capitalist, neoliberal, oh yeah, individualist vision of the future. Yeah. Where we you know, going going back to our self help episodes, it's it's about you maximizing your spiritual potential. Yeah. In order to enact change in the world. Yeah. Which is quite it's 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 also quite Protestant. Yeah. Um the protestant ethic Mm -hmm. but also you have you know you might have lots of um lots of money you might be very successful you might have inherited lots Mm -hmm. of money there's some of that um but you then channel that back into the world because it's Mm -hmm. your responsibility to Mm -hmm. to kind of send it back out um but that it's always a sort of the target isn't ever uh oppressive structures yes the target is always individual yes yes kind of souls and yeah it would be really interesting to see what happens to this movement in terms of democratic politics whether yeah. it gets whether this is the mirror image of sort of the trumpification of republican politics and we'll talk more about the trumpification of republican politics in a, in a future episode yeah uh, but it's it would be really interesting to see whether the democratic party becomes bernie's mm-hmm. sort of democratic socialism or whether it becomes a, a, a much less critical new age yeah. individualist. I mean, it's sort of a development of yeah. a more extreme development of Obama's hope and change. Yes. Yes. Um, type movement. Yeah. A sort of, a sort of um, we're working towards a post-racial yes. type. Yeah. And it, it worries me a little bit mm. in the sense that some new age spiritual kind of power and capital mm, mm. has been put to work to do dangerous things yeah. to dangerous ends not least of which um you know marin county's regular whooping cough and measles outbreaks yeah um and as the child of someone who has an autoimmune disease who can't be vaccinated that is f- you know fundamentally to me uh, awful yeah um and counter to whatever sort of kind of sp- spiritual belief system they might you know, profess to hold. Yes. Um, Also an anti-disability position. Yes. uh, Which is counter to, to what I think, you know, new age, new age spirituality professes to believe about the spirit and the soul and personhood. Yes. But, you know, whatever that is, you know, but the Democrats are, have not really dabbled in this before. No, no. So, be interesting to watch this. I mean, there's weirdos, there's always weirdos in in American elections. Yeah. Um, but 
But yeah, and there, there is, I mean, obviously, you know, people who say technology would say that social media has something yeah. to do with this as well. The weirdness mm. of the discourse is precisely what makes it amenable to a social media yeah. context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have no predictions. No. I think, I do think there's a, a there's a, a subset of the of people in mm. America who vote Democrat who yeah. will be, who, who could very well be taken in by some of this yeah. language. Yeah. Let's see. I would just urge everyone, yeah. Vaccinate. Uh, science, science is, is, you know, not always bad. No. No. <laughs> Listen to your, your doctor sometimes. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, be more critical. Yeah. Good. Let, let us know if you have any thoughts. Let us know if... What is your you, favorite Marianne your favorite? tweet? Yes. Uh, the, m- mine is the one about love is better than swine flu. That's that's to go a long way to beat that love is more powerful than swine flu. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for listening. Let us know what you think, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick, and I have been Anindya Vichardri. You can contact me on Twitter at Doctor H Fitz, and me at Doctor Anindya R. Our music was provided by the Agrarians, and this has been State of the Theory. Thank you.